All right, mom friend, let's go ahead and continue our two-part series with Jessica Bingaman. And as we continue to talk about homeopathy and all those things, if you're not sure who she is, please check out part one where I describe everything that she is and how wonderful she is and everything that she has experienced and all the knowledge that she has to share for us today. All right, let's get started. Hey mama, welcome to Simplify Birth and Motherhood. I am Amanda. I am a wife and mom of four. I have had a hospital birth, unexpected C-section, a few home births, and now I am a birth advocate, childbirth educator, and your cheerleader in the toughest hood of them all, motherhood. Do you wish you knew what options were available to you when becoming a new mom or adding more to the mix? Are you ready to nurture and build up your mom gut so you can be more confident, educated, and bold? In this podcast, you will begin to understand, find support, and turn knowledge into power through education and resources for pregnancy, childbirth, postpartum, and for the early years of motherhood. If you are ready to get clarity to empower your birth and motherhood journey, then throw up your unbrushed hair, hike up your high-waisted pants, because sister, (laughs) I know you are wearing them. Put the baby in the ergo, and let's start feeding our God-given mom guts. See you inside. You know, the, the restoring balance part of it is is really important in that another perspective change is that our body is always healing symptoms are like signposts for us that we can support in resolving but fevers right. are a healing response coughs are a healing response mm-hmm. pain muscle pain is an indicator that we need to either not use our body that way or potentially strengthen that part of our body so that it doesn't get hurt when we need to use it that way. We symptoms are healing, healing responses. The body is always healing. And, and so the second thing that I was going to say is that these resources are supporting that process. They are not stopping symptoms. And, and usually here in, in our medical world, We are just trying to stop symptoms and we're good at that, but there is, there's always fallout from that. Yeah. I love that. Just how you had mentioned, it's just, it's not stopping the symptoms. It's just supporting, like you said, the process, because when kind of going back a little bit to what you're talking about you know, it's restoring the person as a whole and it's looking at the person as a whole being versus just, we have these symptoms here and there. So let's just attack those symptoms by using X, Y, and Z where it's like, well, let's one, let the body do what it it's naturally able to do, which is heal. Like you had mentioned healing itself and working through that. But then also too, it's so important because we, like you had mentioned, it's like, if you want to take the antibiotics or if you want to do that, you can at any point. And I think that sometimes with homeopathy or people who think about homeopathy is they think, well, if I do this, I can only do this, but it's like, no, you can change your mind. You know what I mean? You could, I mean, I think in birth in general, it's like, if you decide, no, you don't want to do that, but then realize, you know what, actually I do want to do that. You can always change your mind. It doesn't matter if you want the epidural and then realize I don't want it anymore. You can change your mind just because you're on it. Doesn't mean you need to stay on it, you yes. know? And I, that's the same thing with hope. Walking. 
You know, you don't have to use it every single time or you can try it and let the body do what it needs to do. But if you feel like we need to step it up a bit and we need to get the additional help because we tried everything that we can, we can also change our mind to do that. And I think that homeopathy in some way when people use it is they just what they're not giving that time. They're not giving it again back to the whole time issue. And it's like we need to look at the body as a whole which I think is like, it's not just your, you have a cough, you know what I mean? We got to look at that as a healing process, but also to what else is going on. What are some things that we need to do to help reinforce that healing process? And so I love that you had mentioned that. I mean, obviously this guy loves it too. So I mean, like, you know, it's, I'm just sitting here smiling because there is nothing better to me than little baby sounds in the the background of professional things. I I actually think that moms do a better job of all of their creative and professional endeavors when they have their baby on their hip because they know their baby is safe and happy. And uh, back when I was a much younger woman and I was carting around my babies in slings, I, I worked for um, social services I went and did breastfeeding presentations at hospitals. I did all of these things and I would dress in my professional clothes and high heels and the whole thing and then strap my baby on with a a Diddy Moss sling and off I went and people would just be like, (laughs) what in the world is happening? And I had this idea that I, here's another study I want to do. I want to study how productive moms are when their babies are being cared for by someone else and when they are right there with their moms. And maybe it's not everybody. We all have different temperaments and constitution. We're getting back to that. But uh, but I think that so many moms need to just do exactly what you're doing right now and, and just keep their babies with them. And that, I mean, what better background <laughs> for a podcast than baby giggles? That, that sound makes everybody happy. It's just... It's just beautiful. I'm so <laughs> happy right now. Well, that's so, encouraging. Thank you. Because sometimes I'm like, oh, sh- sh- sh-, you know, no. like, but it's, but it's you know, you had amazing. mentioned too, when it comes to, yeah, I appreciate that so much. <laughs> and I'm sure this is just real life. Honestly, this is how my life is right now. And we're just doing it. We're trying our best. And that's what we're doing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But uh, going back to a little bit of what you were saying about midwives, how they use them more often. So we do see homeopathic medicine more in birth environments like home birth and birth centers. It's not very common, actually, probably not even at all. We see it in medical settings, right? And so this goes back to looking at the body as a whole and slowing down a little bit, giving the body some time in doing things to support the body, to be able to give them that time to do what the body needs to do to kind of um, work through some stuff. And I find this very similar when it comes to when we do home births. Okay. One of the main concerns that a lot of people have with home birth is transfers. And sometimes when we see, Hey, this is probably, we need to go get help or this is not really, you know, we've done this, we've done X, Y, and Z. So what can we learn in the same aspect of 
homeopathy, but also how are they very similar when it comes to why people transfer, why this goes also to, to the fact of we can change our minds and go and use antibiotics. So what, what are some, what can we learn from that and birth centers when they transfer and homeopathy? I think that there's this, this beautiful mirroring of this incredible benefit that we have of emergency medical care in this country. I, I, I I hope that it doesn't, it hasn't sounded like I'm throwing shade at Western medicine. It, it is what it is and it is good at what it does. People who are interested in these, these other ways of living have access to using them. And that is wonderful. And that is your choice. Western medicine, what it is absolutely best at is emergency care. We, I mean, we rock at emergency care in this country. And (laughs) so um, I think sometimes when people are interested in home birth, they're really scared of transfers and midwives have all of these ways of helping support the body doing what it does naturally until a point. And one of the things when, when I was first in midwifery school that actually made me feel comfortable because becoming a midwife is scary. If you're just being honest about it, that you're going to, going to you and one other person are going to ensure the health and well-being of two whole entire human beings. And one of those human beings is the other and is potentially the mother of other children. That's terrifying, right? But when yeah. I started, Oh yeah. It's a um, huge, huge responsibility. Yeah. When I started uh, Shannon Anton at, uh, at the school that I was going to said, Jessica, what this next uh, season of your life while you're enrolled in midwifery school is going to teach you through the modules through going to many, many births, what it is going to teach you is to look for normal birth. And what midwives are experts in is knowing what is normal birth. And there are aspects of birth that are looked at in obstetrics as not being normal, that there are variations of normal that aren't honored um, like umbilical cords being around the neck. Like that's the, that's one where, you know, oh my gosh, right. the cord and the umbilical cord was on around, around the neck and it was an emergency and uh, gently uh, tended births where there are umbilical cords around the neck are a variation of normal. They are very, very rarely an emergency. And on another podcast, we could get into the finer details of why that's true with Wharton's jelly and but um but midwives are experts in normal birth and in the variations of normal and in supporting the normal and they also then because they are experts of that have almost a sixth sense about when that when the normal and that those variations of normal um go outside of that and Every midwife I know wants to transfer 
before there is an emergency, before there are um, needs for paramedics and, and different things like that, because they can sense that the homeopathics and the herbs and the nutrition and the hydration and the position changes and the all of the tricks of the trade are not working and this mom is struggling. And so we're going to go where the uh, help is needed to keep this mother and baby safe. Midwives aren't out there trying to see if they can get moms to stay home. Uh, that is that is not what midwifery is about. Midwifery is about being with women and supporting the mother baby dyad in a in a safe way. And so um, there is that time given, just like in homeopathy, where there's no rush. You're not on a on a clock. Um, Friedman's curve of you know needing to dilate an hour a centimeter is just absolute silliness. Um, it was created on the tiniest, tiniest little body of information. Um, being on a clock as far as your due date is not scientific. It's not evidence-based. Most uh, first-time babies especially are born sometime in the 41st week and were inducing in um, the United States at 40 weeks really often Um usually with the um, idea that shoulder dystocia would be a risk because of big babies, which is just not shoulder dystocia isn't, isn't caused uh, by big babies for the most part. And so, so there's just this mirroring of homeopathy and, um, and the, the way that midwifery is uh, used to be with women and their families in that there is, a, a body of evidence that shows its efficacy. It is an ancient tradition. It's been around much longer than obstetrics. Obstetrics have only been here for about a hundred years. And there, there is time to, there is time given to women and babies to do a natural process that um, is not honored usually However, I also want to say that um, your transfer so- story, uh, when we were able to talk on the phone before this po- in preparation for this podcast, was so encouraging to me uh, because you you were given so much encouragement and love and honored your wishes and all of that. And um, I have also heard so many fantastic hospital stories. Um, over the last couple of months and in the last year, we used to tease when I was first in midwifery school that uh, we were going to start carrying capes and pointy hats in our car so that if we had to transfer someone from a home birth, that we would just show up as the witch that they treated us like, because (laughs) it was absolutely awful. It's like, okay, well, let's just be who you think we are then. You know, it was horrible. And I don't hear so much of that anymore. Um, so I feel really encouraged because it it has always been my hope and dream and desire. And I have done everything that I possibly can in, in my own power. It has always been my hope that, that we could come to a new era in supporting women where 
midwives and uh, obstetricians work together and uh, that the, the individual professional skills of each uh, individual profession are honored and utilized for the betterment of women. That is how it should be. Uh, if we could just, if we could all just get along and work together, it would be a better world for moms <laughs> and babies in a really big way. And I see that starting to happen and it's really exciting to me. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you had mentioned the Friedman curve and everything like that. And it's like home birth transfer. This is something that when I work with people and we, they're having a home birth and we, cause you know, I go over home birth transfers cause it is a possibility, but it's like, we're not going to the hospital because we just retired. You know what I mean? Like meaning like we don't want to be here anymore. Like I have an appointment, so I can't do this anymore. There's a reason. And a, the midwife is looking at the mom as a whole being. So it's not just like, Hey, you're not dilating. So we're just going to send you to the hospital because you're not dilating at the time that we want you to dilate Absolutely. or Hey, baby is just not in the right position unless they don't feel comfortable delivering a breech baby, which is a totally different, you know, topic and concern in itself. But if, you know, baby is just not in the optimal position, like we're going to wait it out a little bit to see what baby does. And if baby is still not doing that, but you know, there are other things that are happening, then, you know, then we're going to go and get some help. We're going to change our course a little bit. And I think with homeopathy, that is, it is very similar because it's like, Hey, we're going to look at this. We're going to look at that. Um, I mean, you talked about the emotional well-being. We talked about the physical, some of the um, symptoms, whether it is a snotty nose or a cough, it's like, we're going to look at all those and we're going to choose um, what's going to best support our body. And if we don't, if it doesn't hit it on the nail or we still can continue to see it or it ends up getting worse, then we're just going to go and get something a little bit more hardcore. You know what I mean? Something that's going to help us to alleviate this issue. And in my case, you know, looking back as time is slowly progressing by, I'm realizing there were probably a lot of signs that at the time I just did not think but meaning like I'm a experienced mom, I've gone into labor by myself multiple times, but, you know, even with some of the natural interventions that we did to kind of start labor, it was like, it would pick up and then it would stop. And then I would have to try something else. And it was almost like that should have been one of the signs, like mm, something's not right, mm -hmm. you know, but at the time it was just, we were on kind of like a one track mind with that. But, you know, looking back, I'm like, wow we saw this happening, this happening, and this happening. These are all like recipes for we go get help. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's what I try to convey to people is like, it's just, we don't just look at something is not working. Like you're not progressing in the time that we want you to progress or you're not doing X, Y, and Z. It's like, there has to be as a whole being why we are even suggesting this option. Like why this is even a thing that we're entertaining right now. So I, that's why I homeopathic medicine and using it and the birth transfer stuff. I feel like there's a, those are the similar things that we can learn with them together. And, and what you're saying brings up one other thing that I have about the broadcast. It wasn't in my notes. 
but you are just, you've really in, in what you said last helped me sort of have a little light bulb about the fact that we haven't talked about the mother's well-being in caring for her children during all of this discussion about homeopathy. When you have sick kids, uh, it's really hard. Being a mom of one baby is, sick baby is really hard uh, because it's a new skill and you don't have a lot of experience with it. And being the mom of multiple children when a a little illness goes through the house and everybody is falling like flies is really hard. And so, you know, we talked about being able to change your mind or to, to use something stronger. Like if you're, if you're dealing with cough and cold and you're using homeopathy, but your child ends up needing antibiotics, it's not mutually exclusive. You can do both. But I also want to say this, there were times when I had, all the kids falling like flies. They were all sick. They were all at different stages of being sick because they got it at, at different times, like on different days. And I would get to the end of my rope. And as much as I believed in treating them holistically, I also sometimes needed to get some sleep. And so I would use all of my tricks during the day, the onion poultices and the castor oil packs and the nasal sprays and the homeopathic pellets and the potatoes on the feet and all of the things all day long. And then, you know, if they were coughing before they went to bed and I knew that they were going to be up all night coughing and I was going to be up all night coughing, I gave them some cough medicine so that they could sleep and I could sleep and that I would have the energy to get up and go in with all of my my tricks the next day because a, a rested mom a um a sane mom <laughs> is a better mom you doing whatever you need to do to be able to manage it's raising kids is is really really intense and so I just I just want to be really authentic about how I related to all of this. When, when I was the one that actually had the little kids, it's really easy to, uh, to sort of, especially with social media and um, everything being so like everyone's kind of showing off what they're doing and stuff. It's really easy to compare ourselves and see what people are doing and think, Oh, I wish I could be a mom like that, that, never gives her child ibuprofen. And I'm here to get real and say, use the pulsatilla during the day and the ibuprofen at night. So you can get some rest if you need to, you, you have to be feeling mentally well to be able to be a good mom and a a present mom, a mom that, that feels like she can catch her breath for a minute uh, Mm -hmm. is a better mom than a mom that is doing all of the things that she thinks she's doing, but she's doing them sacrificially and running herself into the ground. You know, all of our parenting, you can, you can read a story to your child at bedtime every single night before they go to bed because you were never read a story and you won't be that mother that doesn't read stories to her child. And you can read a story at night, every night before your child goes to sleep because you want to connect with them, because you want to create a, um, 
a tradition in your family and your, our little, our little kids are just like sensory machines and they know the difference. So it's really, really just essential for us to, to nourish ourselves in any way we can to do the self-care. And I'm not talking about face masks and pedicures so that we are doing these things out of the wellspring of our, our intention and love for our kids instead of as a resistance against the way things were done for us or um, to us when we were growing up that they can tell, they can absolutely tell the difference. Yeah. I love that. Cause I feel like every mom is doing their best. And sometimes you have to compromise in order to, for the well being of like your sanity, but also yes. like, I need to also take care of myself too. So 100%. I love that. And I'm just, yeah, I love that. Well, I am so thankful that you decided to come on and we were able to organize this and get this together. But can you tell our listeners kind of where they can find you, some of the information, maybe some of the knowledge that you share in other places that they could, you know, go ahead and. Absolutely. So I am Jay Bingaman on Instagram and I'm pretty active there. I also will age myself by saying that I use Facebook still. I'm one of the ones still hanging on. I love Facebook groups and all of that. So you can find me at my first name, Jessica Bingham in there. My blog is uh, bloomonline.blog. And what you will find there is sourdough bread recipes and things about raptor rehabilitation and just all of the tangents that I go on and get interested in. Um, there's some fermentation recipes on there for fermented lemons and beet kvass and fun things like that. If you want to look at my parent coaching website, that is bloominggenerations.com. I work as a parenting coach. And so there are articles that talk about breastfeeding. There are some uh, natural remedies on there, like the onion trick. And it also talks about what it would look like to work with me as a parenting coach and how you can find me if that is something that is interesting in you for you. But I, I have lots of information on there so that you don't have to pay me for it because I want everybody to know all this good stuff. Well, again, thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to having you on again, because there is just so much that we could dive into that we just shared only scratch the surface on today. So thank you so much, Jessica. And I am um, very, very honored and thankful that you were here for us today. It was absolute great fun for me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, we will see you next time. Hi again. Thank you so much for listening to this great episode. If you had learned something today, please make sure you leave a review in Apple Podcasts and share with another mom friend. Also, pop on over to our private Facebook group, sign up for our email list, and connect with me on social media, which are all linked in the description of this podcast. I can't wait to see you over there and connect with you. Now go listen to your mom gut, because wisdom will guide you, and chances are it won't let you down. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.